Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's guest is Zach Hurley, co-founder of IndieSource, a full-package clothing manufacturer that helps brands develop, manufacture, and market so you can take your concept and turn it into your collection. We're talking about all different kinds of cool stuff here, how Zach got started with IndieSource, how he has worked to help grow the brand, the importance of online and digital, and any kind of business plan. And he has perhaps my favorite acronym for growing a business that I've ever heard. So you'll have to stick around to hear that because it's pretty fantastic. If you'd like to get in touch with Good People Cool Things, you can do so via email at joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at gpctpodcast. You can also support the show by checking out the shop. Pick up a mug, some wall art, a nice hoodie to keep cozy in these cold winter months. Whatever you got, it will be fantastic. For now, let's hop into the conversation with Zach. I'd love to hear your elevator pitch, who you are, who IndieSource is, but I'd also like to hear, as you're giving this pitch, what kind of elevator are we on? The pitch for IndieSource is that we power uh, the new generation of sustainable fashion brands. And we help entrepreneurs to create these brands and be successful. Um, we're on uh, one of those really uh, cool uh, elevators that's sort of like a, um, you know, uh, like that, what's that, uh, that roller coaster that shoots you straight up? Oh, yeah. The, uh, not the giant drop, that's the opposite. The like Dr. Is it the Dr. Doom roller yeah, coaster? Like, maybe it's Dr. Oz. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've been on it. Just like it, just like shoots you straight up into the air, and then you fall down. I guess it could be the other way too, where you just go up and then you just drop. Maybe that's more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. It, I, I don't. I'm trying to think if I've actually been on the giant drop. I feel like every time, for a long time, I was like, that doesn't sound appealing at all. And then I finally was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And then it was like down for maintenance or something. So I don't know, but. I like when it's faster, when it just makes you drop a lot faster than you could possibly fall from gravity. Yeah. That's like, I'm like, okay, they, I want to yeah. do that. Things I can't recreate by, by like tripping over yeah, my exactly. own feet in the house <laughs> and falling down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, so how did IndieSource uh, come to be? Like, was there, was there an aha moment where you're like, okay, I got to turn this into a business or has it just always kind of been a passion of yours that you took some action on? No, it was sort of an aha moment, but aha moments kind of end up being, um, they're more incremental. You know what I mean? It's more like, oh, that's interesting. Why is that like that? And you start asking people questions like, oh, wow. Oh, oh, <laughs> damn. There's, I could really do some damage there if I changed this or I did that. So it's, I, I wouldn't say it's like just an instant though. And that's sort of what people are focusing on when they say aha moment. It's like sort of sequence of aha moments, I would say. And uh, it started with, you know, uh, I found myself with my buddy, uh, from college and we had, we were somewhat in the uh, fashion business, but we were sort of, uh, we were in the, uh, in the LA, sorry, excuse me, in the Las Vegas, um, trade show. And we, we were somewhat dabbling in the, in the manufacturing space, but, but mostly just sort of like, you know, helping, uh, sell brands into, or helping a brand get into the United States. And the aha moment sort of came from a collection of conversations that we had with individual fashion entrepreneurs that were like at the show who all sort of told us the same thing, which is that like 
they had a lot of issues with their manufacturing that they couldn't get the products that they wanted, that the quality was kind of crappy, that everything was sort of the same. Um, and th- like, that was it. I mean, that was really all we initially got. And so we sort of had a semblance of an idea that the industry was kind of messed up. And um, I had, you know, a marketing background. I've seen a lot of businesses sort of start to come to life online. And I just saw it. I just realized like, man, there's going to be a lot of new brands popping up that are going to be able to sell directly to their consumers. But like the, the part where they get it made is really kind of gross. It's like not set up for them to succeed. And so that was the disconnect where I was like, okay, you have tons of demand on one side and lots of people want to make new products. And then you have an extremely antiquated and fragmented production and supply chain. And those two like can't exist for very long. There has to be a way to, to, to bring one up to speed so it can support the other. And so that, that was like the, the general aha moment, I think that happened over some time. Awesome. Can you kind of dive into the, the, antiquated side of supply chain because i think it is like i've I've certainly heard that before but i feel like people don't fully understand like how how outdated a lot of supply chain stuff is yeah it's totally ridiculous i mean and and that's part of the problem is when you have people that think something is more high-tech than it is then it also creates uh issues but many manufacturers, fabric companies. So they're all working separately. So you have, if you think about like a garment that you're wearing, like I'm wearing this jacket right now. And on this jacket, there's lots of different things. There's fabric, there's tr- there's trim buttons, there's elastic, there's labels. All these different pieces of anything that we wear are sold by a vendor who sells that one thing or similar things, right? And so you're starting off with this system where there's tons and tons and tons of people that are selling these one things. And a lot of times these vendors have been doing this for like decades and decades. And so they're not using technology. A lot of them are using fax machines. Uh, When I started our company, we were like one of the only manufacturers with a website. And so it's just everything about it is set up from the old model. Now, what does that mean for entrepreneurs that might be listening to this? It means that the, you know, getting into it is difficult because there's high minimums because these companies have large overhead. It means that they're not using the latest technology, which means that they're not efficient. Um, and there isn't clear process on how to bring something to life. So if you're trying to get something started, a lot of times you've heard this, oh, I went to China and I got ripped off or the quality was bad or this, that, and the other thing. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that supply chain is antiquated. And whether you're in the US or overseas in China or some other country, there's challenges. And so that's to me is means that there's a lot of opportunity for growth. And that's what we're focusing on. Just had a brief flashback to I studied abroad in China. Oh, nice. And I'm six foot two and have size like 13, 14 shoe, mm-hmm. depending on the wow. the make. And I in in China, that's about like I mean, they they use kind of the European and Asian measurement, so it's more like in the 40s. Um, but I remember being laughed out of a store when I asked if they had any that was in my <laughs> my equivalent size yes. over there. They're just like, no, like, that's, that's way that's too awesome. big. Yeah. So I felt, felt briefly like a basketball celebrity over yeah. there. It was great, yeah, great stuff. <laughs> so as you're sourcing these different fabrics, what are kind of the top things that you're looking for? Um, well, we're sourcing on behalf of the brands that we're working for, and those brands have their vision of what they want to create, right? And so in some cases, we're working with somebody that's making kids' lines. Someone else is making a, a men's 
you know, contemporary line. Someone else is doing swimwear. Someone else is making a, an invention of a product that just literally doesn't exist. So each of these people have ideas for physical products that they want to make. And it starts with understanding the component tree or the thing, the things that, that we're going to use to cut and sew together to make the product. And so we, the, the, the makeup of our team is fashion experts and people that have done this for a really long time. So we know what to ask and what to look for. And so, for example, when we're looking for a fabric, we don't just say, hey, I want cotton, right? Can I have cotton? Right? We have to think about the various types of cotton. We have to think about the weight of fabric. We have to think about whether it's a jersey cotton or it's a woven cotton. We have to think about the uh, the, the other uh, uh, foundational aspects to like the fibers itself. We have to think about the width of the fabric. We have to think about the color of the fabric. So there's like 10 things that we have to actually ask um, every vendor when we're sourcing something. And that's like sort of like a, uh, sort of like gives you an example of how much more there is to know. And one of the things that we try to do is like educate our brands around what these things are, because until there's education around it, it's just sort of confusing. And again, it's archaic. So knowing how to navigate that is a big piece of what we do. And that's why we say, you know, we're not just a manufacturer. We're, we're supporting and creating ecosystem for new entrepreneurs to become educated and to be successful in, in their ventures. Would you say that most brands are coming to you from a place of like, zero knowledge in this space or is it like pretty minimal or some super advanced or how, how does that kind of break if down? If you look at the total, yeah, if you look at the total, the sheer volume, yes, the majority have no fashion experience at all because there's a lot, right? <laughs> there's a lot of people with an, I mean, everybody has an idea for some sort of product, right? For some fashion item for, because you know, you, you're, you're like, yeah, I wish, I wish these sweatpants were like a little thicker or I wish... I could do this, or I wish this jacket would, you know, allow me to put my phone here. So everybody's had ideas, which means the majority of leads that come in are people that don't have that experience. Of course, we work with a plenty of people that have fashion degrees and we work with established brands as well. But the, the, the vast majority of people are just somebody with an idea in the middle of a country and they just want to make it happen, man. They're like, you know what, I'm sitting at home. It's corona, you know, it's COVID time. And I got to just like take action on this idea because now I can sell direct to consumer. I don't have to be out, you know, physically at a, at a pop-up or I don't have to sell to through retail stores. I can just sell online. So it's a good time for brands that um, know who their customers are is to, to bring the products to market for them. Good deal. And and you mentioned working with some more established brands that include some celebrities as well. And I was I was teased a story, uh, but I have very little info about uh, your relationship with Lil Wayne uh, and how it involved throwing product over fences. Uh, can you <laughs> can you expand upon that some more? Because it sounds fantastic. Oh, I don't. That wasn't even me. But I think <laughs> somebody from my company like got a call from like from like their agent or, or, and, and like he had to go to some address and like feed him the product over a fence. I'm not really sure what happened, but anyways, we got product on little way. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't really remember like what he had to go through, but I remember that it was like a funny story and he, he basically like did not plan to do that that day. And he was pleasantly surprised <laughs> that he had a funny story about it. That sounds like if I were to predict that to happen with any celebrity, like Lil Wayne would certainly be at the top of the list. That just sounds like a normal normal day for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, you've mentioned a couple of times how 
the internet and kind of the digital first sort of world that we're in now has really helped with a lot of these entrepreneurs. They are able to sell directly to customers. But of course, the internet being a vast place, is it still presents some challenges. So how can uh, these brands kind of you know, reach their customers in the new digital formats instead of maybe setting up a pop-up shop or going to physical events like that? I mean, you, you got to find them where they're at, where their attention is. So for, for everybody that's going to be somewhat different, obviously, like the simplest way to reach people are the, on the, uh, the social media platforms where people are, Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok. So that's, that's a, a great place to start if you are you know, trying to get your product in front of people. Uh, it's a really phenomenal way to get data and very, very, very fast. You start showing your ads to people. Uh, you can see exactly who's click, you know, what type of uh, people are clicking on, what their demographics are. You target pretty broad if you're not sure. And if you are sure, it's a different approach. But for a lot of people that are sort of new, they have a more of a broad targeting strategy in their marketing. And then from there, they start to see who's most receptive to the product that they're selling. And then they hone in from there. Do you have a favorite of the platforms? I mean, in terms of data, Facebook, you know, running Facebook ads is the best. Um, unless you're doing, unless you have a product that people are directly searching for, right? If somebody's searching, if, if it's intent driven and you can be um, found for that, then obviously Google is the best. <laughs> um, so for me, for example, like it's better for me to, uh, even though I love, I, I do both, I, you know, do tons of ads on Facebook too, but you know, finding people who are looking for clothing manufacturers on Google, like that's how a lot of people find us, um, organic and through ads. But then I also do Facebook, which is sort of just like branding the idea behind, you know, the company and how we can create your dream and turn into reality. So it's the same kind of thing for a brand. They need to just determine where their customers are and create a strategy around getting in front of them. Um, which essentially just gets them to click on the page so that then they can go to your website where you've, you know, you've put those products there, you have the good photography, and then it's sort of just math from there. It's just what percentage of the people clicked on the, on the ad, what percentage of those people that went onto our site actually bought something. It, it's, um, it's just looking at the numbers from there. And if this is not something that you do or have experience in or are scared of, there's plenty of people that we, you know, we support a lot of our brands with marketing uh, and things like that. But it's there are a lot of other marketers out there that can support you if that's not your number one thing. But if you are starting something, you do have to be, you know, putting yourself out there one way or another. Yeah, I think that's a, a very good point. Of you have to meet your customers where they are and connect with them on the the platforms that they're most comfortable using. Because I mean, I think it's it's probably not groundbreaking to say that people like to be comfortable and they, uh, you know, if they have to go somewhere else that's kind of out of their normal path of, uh, um, I was going to say online destruction, that sounds more, uh, sounds worse than I wanted it to be, but they're, you know, their normal online routine, like if they have to go super far away beyond clicking through something that they see on Facebook, on Google, whatever it may be. Uh, and so you do kind of have to dive in there, even though it's terrifying. I've tried to hold off being on TikTok for forever, but I mean, a lot of people are on there. So you got to get on there, man. <laughs> and that's where they are. Because again, you look at the ages and, and depending on your customer, you're going to, you're going to want to be in the place where they are. So, so yeah, it's a, it's, you have to be agnostic about the platform. I think you have to really just think about, okay, well, where are the people? 
that I want to talk to? Are they on Facebook or are they on Instagram and then TikTok? Are they somewhere else? And then find them there. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting to see kind of too how how some of these platforms thrive and others don't. Like TikTok, I remember when it first came out, I'm like, this is Vine. Like Vine, mm, Vine collapsed right. real quickly, uh, but TikTok is booming. And I mean, I think part of that is is user interface. Part of that, of course, is just word of mouth. People saying, "Hey, this is you know, this is a nicer platform. Like, let's let's get on it." And so, yeah, it's it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it was such a different time though when Vine was popular. It was so long ago. Like, I think the time at which which something takes off is really important too. The timing. Um, yeah, for sure. So, so yeah, you can see, and, and the money, how much money is backed, right? <laughs> <laughs> also very helpful. And I think that actually might tie in nicely to another question that I want to kind of chat about is, and, and you can kind of talk both with the brands that you're working with and with IndieSource as a whole, but when people are starting a business, I think it can be natural that everything is a shining object, right? Like you see one thing, you're like, oh, I got to go after that. And then something else comes from the other side. You're like, wait, no, I got to go after that. And it's very easy to spread yourself super thin. So what are some of the top things as you're growing a business that you should focus on? As you're growing a business, you need people, right? So this is under the assumption that you're going to be hiring and you know, you need to hire at some point to expand, right? Whether you hire them as full-time or you hire them as a contractor or you bring on agencies, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I was thinking about this the other day and I, and I was trying to make it simple because there's a lot of points and the best, the best way I can synthesize, I think what is critical when you're growing a business can be summed up in red man, red man. Okay. So the first step is you have to find the right people. Um, I've learned the hard way. I've hired people that are like, not so great, uh, you know, because they're, they were cheaper and oh my God, like if I could give any advice to, to anybody, it's just find good people <laughs> and don't try to really cheap out on, on what you pay them. Um, obviously there's a limit to how much you can pay them. So it's not always just about like, you know, paying them any amount, but find the right people, pay them what they're worth. And then like, that's, you've literally just like eliminated like most of the problems that you would have had. So that's first right people. Second thing, E is enroll. You got to get them super stoked on your idea and your vision. You have to enroll them in the thing that you're doing so that they, they got the juice too. They're excited about it. And they're like, oh man, like I get where, what we're doing and why we're making a difference. That's enrolling them you have, and check in with them. Have them pitch you on your business. Number three is, uh, the next is D, delegate. So you have to, this is something that every entrepreneur like has issues with, right? Delegation. Mm-hmm. Me, okay, so I wake up in the morning, what do I do? So the question is, what for me is always, what can I get rid of? What can I pass off to other people so that they can be empowered to do those things that I need to get done? I always try to say, to also to my team now, because I, I have managers underneath me and my company. So I'm like, I need them to be delegating more, not less. I'm not like trying to put more on the manager. Managers need to be delegating. So who can you delegate these different things to that will get you to your goal? Delegation is critical. So now we have red. The next piece is man. So M is for measure. Delegating is completely worthless if you don't measure the thing. And so some people call them KPIs, but essentially just you have to find a a metric or some way to measure whether the thing that you gave somebody uh, in terms of a task uh, or a project, whether it was done to the standard that you want it to be done. Um, So 
we could come up with lots of examples of that, but make it measurable and, and make it easy to tell whether they did it or not. A is accountable. So you've delegated it, you've measured it. And then the third part is, you know that they did it or they didn't do it. If they didn't, you have to hold them accountable for it. And so this is another thing that I often see. People will not hold the, the person that they're, they're hiring accountable to the measure uh, that they create for them. And so what is that? How do you do that? You check in with them a lot. You sort of check in. Here's what you aim to do this week. Here's what you did. Here's what you aim to do this week. Here's what you did. Do it in smaller increments and intervals uh, in the beginning, because if you don't, then you sort of like drag things out and you might realize, oh, this person, you know, isn't doing it right. And I haven't talked to them in a month. So that's accountability. And then N is never deviate. Like just keep focusing on these things over and over and over again. And you will be able to get your business to the next level. And I think this, the reason I wanted to bring this up is because a lot of the people that I work with are solo entrepreneurs. It's just one person. And, you know, there's only so much you can do if you're one person, you only have so much time and ability. And so this is a way to think about getting to the next level where you have a team of people working for you and with you to create the vision that you want. I I could, there's like, I mean, I can't do any of the things that I want to do without my team. I'm like worthless without them. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I think most entrepreneurs should think that way too. Like build a team that's better than you, that knows things that you don't and can ultimately, whether that's providing a service or a product or whatever, um, you want to build a team around you that can offer something awesome to the world. And so this is the best way that I've sort of synthesized how to make that happen. Um, yeah. So that's Redman. Love it. Method Man, probably a little jealous, but yeah, I, still... Redman, <laughs> Man. I know. Love them. All right. Still great. Still great. Yeah. I, I, I especially like the, the delegation aspect and kind of your mindset of like, what can I pass on? And like, it's, yeah, it's not meant to give other people more work because you don't want to do it. It's to give them the opportunity to get something done that's going to be better for everyone so that you can also focus on something to get that done. And it's, it's certainly a difficult thing. I know I have trouble with delegating uh, pretty regularly, I would say, where I'm just like, oh, I could just knock this out. But it's like, no, like give someone else the opportunity to do it. And yeah, it'll, it'll probably even be better. It, yeah. Like what, what kinds of things do you try to delegate or, or have trouble with? Sometimes it's things like, uh, you know, reaching out to other podcasts if we're trying to to get guests on or you know, like quick little like briefing books or something where I'm like, oh, I kind of know this person already. Like I can, I can knock this out real quick. Um, when in some cases it's like, no, this is giving someone a chance that maybe hasn't done this before to, to get their feet wet with it. And, and maybe they'll create a way that is more efficient or, you know, is, is easier to digest for whoever's going to be looking at it. And so I think it can be easy to kind of get tunnel vision a little bit too, of just like, oh, I've done this before. I know how it's done etc mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then to to have someone else kind of give it a look with fresh eyes you're like oh actually that that way is much better yeah yeah that's a good point sometimes it's just other people can do it better than you can't even realize it um yeah that i didn't even think about that one that's true though and i think it's especially true in covid times too where we're at home all the time like very easy to to kind of lose uh sanity i guess for lack of a better word sometimes uh and so sometimes you know taking a a step away and then coming back can help but 
other times you do just need that that second set of eyes on it yeah exactly you you, you it's hard it, it must be really hard um during this time to not have other people you know and so i think building a little team is, is really really critical there's a lot of ways to do that even with limited resources but you know, like getting some other people knocking stuff out for you. And you want to, if, if you're the owner of the company, you want to be focusing on the thing that like really only you can do. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And even like, even if you're not at a place to, to build out a whole team, like, like you were saying, there's ways you can get other people's input and, and kind of have like your, your trusted circle there, even yeah, if you're not course. hiring like 40 people at once. Yeah. 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 I've, I've hired friends yeah. I've done all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, mind you, you know, me and my, uh, partner, we started this company with no money and we were living on a boat in the Marina. So like, it's not like I'm coming from a place of, Oh, I had, a, I invested a hundred thousand dollars and then I, you know, got this whole team up. Like, no, it's, it was scrappy from day one. Let's talk a little more about living on a boat. What was that like? It, you know, it, it just rocks back and forth just a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> People are like, you get sick? I'm like, no, man, you don't get sick. It just makes you fall asleep faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're not going into uh, treacherous waters, you're Well, you're in a fine. slip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it just sort of, it just like rocks you. It's amazing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Highly recommend live aboard boat living. <laughs> it does sound very soothing. I do get seasick easily, but gentle rocking I can do. It's just yeah, when that's, it gets that's more. It you don't ever have to even yeah. leave. You don't have to take the boat out. You just, you know, just perfect. enjoy your time on it. Perfect. Perfect. One other thing that, um, that you've done is kind of pivot a little bit. I, I hate saying pivot. It just reminds me of Ross from friends who, I uh, I don't know if you watched friends, but <laughs> I used to. Yeah. A long time he's, ago. he's, I was I I made someone upset the other day because I said Ross is easily the worst of the friends, and she was like, Aww. "No, he just gets a bad rap." And I was like, "He I does mean, get a bad rap, maybe, it's but true. he's also he also is the worst." But it's fine. They they all have their their highs and lows. It's fine. Um, but the during the pandemic, obviously, face masks uh, became a super high in demand and still still are a high in demand product. And yeah. that was something that you added to the the indie source. Uh, catalog for lack uh, I don't know if that's the right term but the indie source catalog uh, and yeah I mean we didn't the thing is is we didn't really even have a catalog before this so I wasn't selling any products direct to consumer before this um, it was just purely a way for us to keep going and honestly I don't even know what's going to happen it could it might end up happening again uh, due to shutdowns and stuff like that but yeah we pivoted to face masks um, we were we were early so we were able to provide a lot of masks to people before you know China came in and sort of sprayed the market with them, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're still selling them. And, um, we, we put together like a really awesome mask. We made sure that it was like effective actually. And, um, and yeah, have a bunch of different designs and have sold them, um, you know, tens of thousands of them, uh, we're, we've donated tens of thousands of them. Uh, in the beginning it was really important because, uh, service workers and people at hospitals, like just didn't have any PPE. So, you know, rolling up to a kid's hospital and like donating a ton of masks was like really needed at that time, you know? Um, and I also like, like you go to restaurants and like people, it was crazy at that time. Like nobody was wearing masks. So yeah, we did a buy one, donate one, kept our employees working and it was a definitely a win, win, win. And, um, allowed us to keep kind of like stable throughout those crazy initial months. Yeah, that's awesome. And thank you for making them actually effective. I feel like that uh, when it first, 
you know, when masks first started kind of becoming uh, mandated and, and it's like, hey, you need a mask to get places. I, 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 I'm certain I saw lots of different things pop up where it was just kind of like, no, eh, this might not be that good. Uh, like this exactly. is real thin and right. Yeah. Not, not getting the job done. Exactly. A lot of that for sure. <laughs> a lot of t-shirts <laughs> over your face. <laughs> Do you have a favorite among the designs? Um, I like the, I mean, I love the, the USA ones. It's like, you know, it's like red, white, and blue stars. Um, and then we have some cool, like geometric shape ones. And we also have a denim one that I like a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I got all of them. So cop one on indie source, we're doing a buy one, get one, buy one, get one, give one, uh, right now on the site. Um, cause we have this inventory and everything was ethically made in Los Angeles by my team. So, um, none of this is imported. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone get a mask. They are, they are very stylish. I have to say, I oh, thank you. Ha- having worn masks with designs and uh, masks without designs, you certainly get a lot more compliments. And people are just, I think, <laughs> generally a little more nicer to you when you have a fun mask. I don't. I, this is a very small sample size, but I feel like no, people I think are you're right. <laughs> coming up and being like, "Hey, that's a cool mask." And if it's just like a generic, I have a generic red one as well, and people are just like, "Oh." Yeah, exactly. Like you, you got to get a cool, just just get a cute one, just yeah. like mix it up a little bit, yeah, um, or yeah. a stylish one that matches your outfit. Oh, that's I still need to to work on that. I all right, <laughs> I I'll style to... you up, man. You thank just, you, thank you, you. Snap me a picture of whatever you're wearing, and I'll send you the appropriate color mask. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. I know we've got uh, we've got a denim day coming up uh, within our company, and in, in the next month or so, so maybe oh, there something we go. that that pairs well with a jean jacket. Done. Fabulous. <laughs> All right. And I think that that segues pretty nicely into the top three here, which what have been your top three COVID hobbies during this quarantine? <laughs> well, my first, I should make this my first COVID hobby has been um, raising a child. So Ooh. I had a baby literally like the day that California announced the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, and trust me, we had been planning this. So it's not like, you know, it just, I did this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, he was born right at the end of February. Um, and so I've been, you know, raising little boys, which has been definitely a hobby and, and really, really fun. So that's number one. Um, number two is I've been growing sprouts, uh, because I don't have a whole lot of like sun for like real legit vegetables, but I love sprouts. So I have broccoli sprouts, alfalfa sprouts, you know, just different things like that to keep you going and just like keep you healthy. Um, that's my number two. And then my third COVID hobby is I've been growing a pretty substantial beard, which you you can't see right now because we're on a podcast, but <laughs> I've been focusing on this for many months now. And, um, my goal is to have a man bun on the top and, and a beard that's very long on the bottom. So I've been working on that and it's, it's a, it's a good hobby for me because it's very passive while I focus on growing my business. <laughs> the passive hobbies are the greatest ones. So have you not shaved or, or gotten a haircut since, I guess, since having your child? Not really. No. I mean, I did, I guess in the beginning, it's, it's been at least like five or six months, probably like six months that I haven't shaved. And, um, and I'm just shaving the sides of my hair and leaving the top. So I'm really working on that. 
It sounds impressive. We will have to get a photo and we can, we can do video anytime. Yeah, nice, that nice. sounds good. Yeah. Cause I definitely don't look like the picture that, um, you know, whatever the headshot <laughs> that we send out, <laughs> I saw that the other day. I was like, Oh, that's, they're going to be disappointed when they see what I really look like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a before and after. It'll be, okay, perfect. It'll be wonderful. Before COVID, after COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I, I commend you on sticking with it. I also went with the, I'm not going to get a haircut or shave. And I think it lasted about, it was longer than it should have been. Like the, sh- I think the shaving was maybe after about three months. Uh, it was just like disgustingly long. So I, I applaud you for, for keeping up with it. Yeah, it's a comfy pillow now, but you do have to take <laughs> care of it to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> Once you're housing uh, wildlife in there, then it's maybe right. that's the time to, to shave it. So if you're not at that level yet, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, keep it going. I like when people have it too. <laughs> Well, good deal. Zach, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. If people want to pick up a mask, if they want to learn more about IndieSource and all that you do, how can they get in touch? Cool. Yeah. IndieSource.com. Um, we have uh, uh, our Instagram is Indie underscore source. We have YouTube. If you're interested in starting your own line, there's a lot of long form content on there that I think really uh, can get you into it a little bit deeper so you can understand like what what really goes on. And um, the Instagram stuff is good too. Uh, we'll be putting out some more educational content here pretty soon. And um, yeah, you can call the, the the number on the site. I got a whole team that can answer your questions, sort of facilitate the process for you and tell you how it goes. And um, we're excited to learn about whatever ideas you have. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Zach Hurley from IndieSource. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat and Let's end with a corny joke, like we always do. I even tried to make it slightly clothing-themed. I'm sure you've probably heard this, but I tried buying some camouflage pants the other day, but I couldn't find them. Get after it today, people. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) I love that. That's good. That's good. That's legitimately good. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.